Moses and Aaron came into the presence of God, they fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared before them. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take the rod, and gather the assembly together, you and Aaron your brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth its water to you. You bring forth to them water out of the rock, so you shall give the congregation and their beast strength. God said to Moses, You stand before the rock with the rod in your hand, and you speak to the rock, and the, and the water will come out. Now mark what Moses did. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believe me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given you. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. This last program on Moses, one of God's great Bible characters, Dr. Mitchell speaks of this leader of Israel, a prophet, a man with whom God spoke face to face. Now the people had been very quarrelsome and rebellious in demanding water. Moses was now told by the Lord to speak to the rock so God could bring forth water out of the rock. Now this was the same rock which previously the Lord had told Moses to strike just once. We see Moses, instead of speaking to the rock, he struck the rock twice, and this he did in great anger. Well, this ill-advised action by Moses would now bring him his greatest disappointment. Why? Because now the Lord told him that he would not be allowed to enter the promised land. Well, now in Numbers chapter 20, verse 7, here is Dr. Mitchell on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Thank you. Good day, friends. We've come now toward the end of this series on Moses. And this time I want to speak upon Moses, a disappointed man. And then if we have the time of how God vindicated him. Now, last lesson we were dealing with the discouraged man. And sometimes you have the opportunity of thinking through all these things about this man, Moses. God's man, the leader, the intercessor, the prophet, the meekest of men, and so on and so forth. Disappointed, discouraged. And we had one in, in Numbers chapter 11, how discouraged he was. And I can't help but say it again. If I had been in his place, I'm sure I'd have been discouraged long ere he did. He began looking at his circumstances, 
got his eyes off the Lord and then wished he was dead. And how often I've heard people say, I wish I were dead. So tired of the tests and trials of life, tired of the circumstances in which they find themselves, either with people or with themselves. And death would be a happy release to the tests and trials through which they were going. So I can understand Moses. In fact, he asked the Lord to kill him so he would not see his wretchedness. If you have any love for me, any favor for me, then kill me. Just think of a man telling God that. But you know, God had something better for him than that. Now, from the time he had left Egypt, he had lived in anticipation of leading Israel into the promised land. But now, he's going to have a great disappointment. I'm looking at the 20th chapter of Numbers. It's a terrible chapter because in it, we have where Miriam died, Aaron died, and Moses came under the judgment of God. Let me read a part of it. We read that they came to a place, a place called Kadesh, as very close to the promised land. And there was no water for the congregation. They gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chored with Moses and spake, saying, Would God we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. You brought us, the congregation of the Lord, into this wilderness. We and our cattle should die there. Why have you done this? To bring us out of Egypt, to bring us into this evil place. There's no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron came into the presence of God. They fell on their faces, and the glory of the Lord appeared before them. And the Lord said unto Moses, Take the rod and gather the assembly together, you and Aaron your brother, and speak unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth its water to you. You'll bring forth to them water out of the rock, so you shall give the congregation and their beast strength. I want you to get the picture. Here's the whole congregation of Israel, nearly three million strong before the rock in Meribah. See. God said to Moses, you stand before the rock with the rod in your hand, and you speak to the rock, and the, and the water will come out. Now mark what Moses did. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice, and the water came out abundantly. And the congregation drank, and their beasts also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because you believed me not to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this congregation into the land which I have given you. That's terrible, isn't it? He was told to speak to the rock. He lost his temper. He said, oh, you rebels, must we fetch your water out of the rock? And he smote the rock twice, and God said, because of this, you'll not enter the land. 
Boy, that's hard. You know, for about 15 to 18 months of travel, they'd come out of Egypt to Kadesh, the same place. That's where the spies went in, you remember. Then they went back into the, then they went back into the, into the desert. See, when he brought them to Kadesh, the work was finished. Soon be in the land, rest, peace, contented. And then they were turned back. And after about 40 years in the wilderness, they're again ready to enter into the land. And God said to Moses, you will see the land. You will not enter. You'll not bring this people in. I'm quoting from, from the book of Numbers, chapter 20, verse 12. Numbers 27, 12 to 14. Deuteronomy 3, 23 to 28. And Deuteronomy 32, 48 to 52. And Deuteronomy 34, the fourth verse. I'm not going to read all those passages because it all deals with the one thing. Moses had brought them out of Egypt to go into the land. That was the purpose he left Egypt, to lead this people into a place of rest. The land flowing with milk and honey. Now they're on the borders again after 40 years in the wilderness. Moses has put up with their murmurings and their disputings, etc., etc. He even threatened to stone him, how he'd gone through everything. As we said in our last lesson, he was a very discouraged man and wanted to die. Now God says, you'll see the land. And three times Moses asked God to change his mind on it. No, you'll see the land. You'll not enter the land. Why can't we go in? Wasn't that the reason we left Egypt? To bring them in. And God said, no. You're not going to go in. Another will lead them in. You remember Joshua was chosen. My, what a test for this man, Moses. What a test. I don't think of any man I know of went through the tests and trials that Moses did with his disobedient, gainsaying people. But why not go in? Because of disobedience to the word of God in this 20th chapter of Numbers. See, friend, there's more at stake than just, than just smiting the rock. Allow me to read from the 106th Psalm. They angered Moses also at the waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. You see, you've got to get down to this passage. Here they are, thirsty for water. And they're ready to do anything. Murmuring again, Moses, you brought us out to die in this wilderness. We don't see any figs. We don't see any grapes. We don't see any vines or pomegranates. And look, we haven't even got anything to drink. Here's a congregation of nearly three million, plus all those herds and stocks and flocks that they had with them. Think of all the children. No water. No water. And God said, you go speak to the rock. Now, in Exodus chapter 17... It's so way back there, you remember, in Exodus 17. They'd just come out of Egypt. 
They just crossed the Red Sea and uh, they were moving along. First of all, they came to a pool. It was bracken. When three days without water, it was bracken. The Lord healed the water. Then they came to Elam, where there were many springs. Then they came back to this place. And God says in chapter 17 of Exodus, take the rod and smite the rock. It'll bring forth water to you. Now in Numbers 20, they're thirsty again, many years afterwards, 40 years afterwards. Now God said, speak to the rock. You see, we're dealing with a very, very strong doctrinal issue here. Here is a man who knew the ways of God, as the 103rd Psalm, verse 7 says. Here's a man whose face shone with the glory of God. They had to put a veil over his face. Here's a man whom God knew face to face. Here's a man with whom God talked face to face as a man talks to a friend. Yet God says, you're not going to go in. Why? Unbelief. And let me suggest this to you. I'm, I'm leaving Moses for a moment, except to take up this truth. Why? Why didn't God let him in? Just because he smote the rock, lost his temper? I see again there's more involved. In chapter 17 of Exodus, smite the rock and it shall give forth its water. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, I read, And that rock which followed them was Christ. That rock which followed them was Christ. So in Exodus 17, the rock was smitten for us. Life-giving water comes to any man or woman who comes and accepts the Savior. As our Lord said from John 4, it shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. If you drink of this water, you'll thirst again. If you drink of the water that I shall give you, you'll never thirst. You remember that? In chapter 7 of John, our Lord said, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. This speak he of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. Now, God has said, Speak to the rock. You see, even in typology, God would not stand for the second smiting of the rock. Our Lord Jesus died once for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. That's 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, you remember. Hebrews 9, 26, He appeared once in the end of the age to put away sin, once, by the sacrifice of himself. In Hebrews chapter 10, it's not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats can take away a sin. But this man, Jesus, by one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. In Hebrews 1, 3, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of God. One can multiply the scriptures. You know he was manifested to take away our sins. It'll never happen again. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world, never to be repeated, 
never to be repeated. Now that's Exodus chapter 17. Smite the rock, it'll give forth its water. And that rock which followed them was Christ. Now you have the spiritual application in the book of Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. But now, 40 years afterwards, they're still thirsty. Again, they're thirsty, and they murmur again, murmur again. Now, God did not say the second time, smite the rock. He just said, speak to the rock. And what Moses did was what so many do. They want Christ to die over and over and over and over again for their sin. My friend, listen. You can only be saved once. Christ died for you once. He did a perfect work. This man, Jesus Christ, by one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. When I come as a sinner and I accept the Savior, I become a child of God. I acknowledge that the work of Christ on the cross has put away all my sin. I'm forgiven every sin and so on. Now, as a Christian, I sin. You sin. What shall I do? I can't go back to the cross and be saved over again. I come to the throne. Christ no longer is on the cross. He's on the throne. I don't smite him the second time. I speak to him. As 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's talking to his children. Our fellowship has been broken because of sin, for failure. What shall I do? I go right to the throne, and I confess my sin. And that verse says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and righteous. It does not say faithful and loving. It does not say faithful and merciful. It's dealing with sin and the righteous character of God is involved. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he goes on in chapter 2, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. But if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You see, friend, we speak to the rock. I'm talking to Christians. If I'm talking to anyone who was not saved, and my friend, you go to the cross and be saved. Christ died. He was smitten for you. But once you become a child of God, a real believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you've had real relationship with him. As we walk this scene on earth, we're frail and we sin. We become disobedient. What shall we do? Can't go back to the cross. You go to the throne. He's no longer on the cross. He's on the throne. And on confession, he forgives you and he cleanses you and restores your fellowship. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? Now, in the few moments I have left, I w I'm not going to leave you right there. Because some of you are going to say, well, the Lord wasn't very nice with Moses. Just, but just a minute. You know, in the end of Deuteronomy, the last chapter of Deuteronomy, you have where this is repeated about him where God says, Thou shalt see the land, but thou shalt not enter the land, because you made my name a reproach at the waters of Meribah. Yet he goes on and vindicates his servant by saying, The man whom God knew face to face. Now, Moses had two desires. Briefly, let me give them to you. 
Moses' great desire in Exodus 33, verse 18, when he said, with great boldness, he said to God, show me your glory. And God said, I can't show you my glory and live. You can't live. But you know, do you know, God did show him his glory in the book of Matthew chapter 17. Our precious Savior on the Mount of Transfiguration was transfigured. The glory of God came upon Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Moses was there and Elijah was there. These two men who wished to die and now in the land were the Lord of glory, beholding his glory. So I see the great desire of Moses to show me your glory was answered in Matthew 17. His second desire was to enter the land. He pleaded with God to let him into the land. He wanted to stand in the land with his people. Oh, to have that wonderful joy of leading them out of Egypt, through the wilderness, into the land. God said, no, you'll see the land. You'll not enter into it. But he did. Not with a gainsaying, troublous, murmuring people plaguing the life out of him. No, he entered the land in the fellowship and in the presence of the Savior of the Lord, Je the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God had something better for him. Instead of entering the land with a gainsaying, sinful, disturbing, disobedient people, God had something better. He was in the land with the Lord Jesus, the Lord of glory. Do you ever think of it? On the Mount of Transfiguration, he was in the land, and there he was with the Savior. By the way, if you want to follow that through, the Transfiguration of Christ in Matthew 17, the end of chapter 16 into 17, it's a premature picture of the coming of the Lord in glory. Moses, a picture of dead saints raised up and with Christ when he comes in his glory. Elijah, a picture of raptured, translated saints, those who didn't see death and with the Lord when he comes in glory. You follow it through. The three Hebrew children, Peter, James, and John, a picture of the remnant on the earth where our Lord comes. Just one more thing about Moses, and I'm through with it. In the book of Revelation, chapter 15, verse 3, here you have a picture of eternity, of a heavenly company. And what do you think they're singing? They sang the song of Moses, and the song of the Lamb. My, what a, what a privilege. Don't you feel sorry for Moses? Not for one moment. I agree with you. He, in, in Numbers 11, he was a discouraged man. And possibly in Numbers 20, a, great, a greatly disappointed man, right on down through until he died. A disappointed man, as I said a while ago, to leave Egypt and to bring them into the land was the great yearning of his heart. That was the hope that held him on through all the discouragements on the way. For 40 years he put up with that people, but expectancy of getting into the land. Now God said, You can't go into the land. But as I say, God vindicated Moses on the Mount of Transfiguration when he saw the Lord in his glory and was in the land with the Lord of glory. And in eternity they sing the song of Moses and the Lamb. Oh, my friend, may I just close with this. May you and I, if we're Christians, 
ever be obedient to the Lord and to his word and to keep our eyes stayed on him. Circumstances, circumstances can make you discouraged, disheartened. But you know, he is the one who gives us peace. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Unto him be all the glory throughout the ages of the ages of the ages. Oh, what a wonderful thing to know that by simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ we're going to spend eternity with him in glory. For in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And you can't beat the Lord when it comes to giving. For those of you who may not be Christians, may I commend to you the Savior, Jesus Christ, who can not only save you from sin, but from death and from judgment, and fit you for his presence. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful Savior. And may you come to him, know him, for to know him is to love him. The Lord bless you in a very abundant way today for his precious name's sake. The Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast is asking for your prayer support. Please pray for the Lord's direction for this vital Bible teaching ministry. Dr. Mitchell's Bible programs are online at unchangingword.life. Click on the podcast link at the top of the page. Now may God richly bless each and every one of you in Christ. Thank you. This is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.